We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Friends, it's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo joining you for the second night in a row. We're joining you after an absolutely thrilling all of the emotions possible in sports victory is the Dallas Mavericks beat the Boston Celtics 110 to 107 on a absolutely crazy pair of Luka possessions to, to seal the game. Josh, how are you? I am okay. I am. <laughs> you really nailed it with the, the wide range of emotions. Cause I mean, my heart is in my brain. Like, I don't, I, I blacked out when he took that shot. Like, oh my God, he's actually going to hit the, you know, it, it's not quite the Clippers game, but for the distance for, he was further away. A, and then just the gall because he had 10 seconds. He could have gotten a different shot, but he wanted to shoot the ball. And, oh, yeah. and, oh man, just the whole, we'll get into the whole, whole gambit of things, but <laughs> yeah. what a huge, huge game for the Mavericks. Yes. The Mavericks are at 500. Uh, They're at 500 for the first time since January 23rd. Uh, if you remember, which feels like 18 months ago, that was half the uh, Saturday night where the Mavericks lost to a very shorthanded Houston Rockets team. Uh, by a lot of points, and they fell to eight and eight. Uh, this was right after the Mavericks beat Indiana and San Antonio on the road back to back with KP back to get to eight and seven. And I think everyone was like, oh, okay, the season's back on track. And then they lost six in a row. <laughs> so it's been, it has been a long road to get to this point and leave it to the Mavericks to somehow still add some, maybe, I don't know, unnecessary drama or still somehow make the fan base really cranky. Uh, this is their best stretch of basketball they have played 
all season, really. They have not, you know, they they've won more games in the last two weeks than they, you know, in a stretch than they've done at any other point prior. And yet there's still weird negative energy around the team, which I'm sure we will get to wait uh, later. We got to get to this game, but man, what a what a crazy game! And like you said, uh, could not have been needed more. Absolutely crucial. Well, that's there's just all sorts of feelings. <laughs> I, I, I yes, the game as a whole was really it 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 just didn't feel like the Mavericks had enough to start the game, but. All of a sudden, by the end of the first quarter, they're up. And Rick Carlisle really did. It was it was also kind of the kitchen sink game from Carlisle where he tried some really interesting things that worked. And then, of course, he did what his, is his staple, which is stick with, with something that doesn't work well past. And, and I think the, the, the stuff that worked at the beginning that was really interesting was, frankly, the, the insertion of James Johnson in the starting lineup. Johnson was kind of the only player that looked awake in the first four minutes of the game for the Mavericks. And then he played Boban, where Luca and Boban, you know, Boban was a plus 13. Boban was excellent in limited minutes. And, you know, they, they went away from him because the Celtics, you know, Brad Stevens is a good coach in his own right. And, and what was happening is, is Luca was essentially getting all the way to the rim because uh, a Boban was a slow rolling, you know, tidal wave getting all the way there. And then what started happening was uh, the, the Celtics would double Luca right at the free throw line in a very kind of peculiar spot. And it, it kind of caught him in an interesting spot because he couldn't throw it up to Boban because you, know, you got these big, long rangey wings around him. And then, you know, the, 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 the third quarter was was particularly horrifying because the Mavericks went like four and a half minutes without a basket and yet still managed to close the the the, the quarter up ahead. And then the fourth was just the Mavericks putting the screws to the Celtics without Luka and then with Luka. They're up by 12. And then they, they fell apart in the final five, four minutes, as is their want, because Rick Carlisle, you know, he just believes in Dorian Finney-Smith. And... It, it, you know, Dorian's you know, Dorian had a great game on Valentine's Day, and then they they were off for this you know the hiatus due to the weather, and then he since has been two of fifteen, and has been pretty bad. And I I, I don't know. I, I just I don't understand why Rick why the Mavericks went and got Jason Richardson or Josh Richardson. I, don't I love that you keep Mavericks, doing this. I know it's I'm just so old. Why <laughs> the Mavericks got Josh Richardson if they're not gonna play him? So, so I don't, I don't know. There's tons to talk about in that. I, I've rambled. I apologize. Yeah. It, well, you you have to kind of reset because it is kind of crazy. I think I, I tweeted this out. The last 12 minutes of this game, it went from wow, this is like a statement win, second night of a back to back, which has killed the Ma- like the Mavericks have not only lost the second night of a back to back almost all of this season, but they've gotten they're destroyed, like just non competitive, just brutal, soul crushing losses. So not only are they beating a solid playoff team from the east you know they're kind of pulling away like they're kind of dominating them in the final you know in the opening minutes of the fourth quarter to build a double digit lead like i think you said like this is i think you even said like this is a statement win and it felt like that it felt like like this felt like with about six minutes left in the fourth quarter like oh the mavericks are back like the the mavericks we thought uh you know before the season tipped off this is this is that team for the most part, uh, obviously, you know, no KP, but, you know, in terms of just being really feisty defensively, you know, getting some additional uh, shot making from, you know, players that aren't Luca, players that aren't KP, you know, they had Josh Richardson and Jalen Brunson just doing 
really good things offensively. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is the plan. This is the team we expected. And then, you know, for about five minutes there, it goes from, oh man, these games are just never easy. Like, why can't the Mavericks just get a a win instead of having to draw these out to the final buzzer like the Minnesota game <laughs> and then it goes from that to even darker levels of like oh god is this team just bad is this a bad team and then it goes to Luca is god uh, in two straight possessions after what he did it was crazy um I really can't say enough about what Luca did in those final two possessions uh and I know that you know obviously the game winner is going to be probably the one that gets on the highlight reels more because I mean it was all it was essentially <laughs> like the second to last one was tougher. Yes, that and that possession was done. It, it was, was a terrible cooked. possession. It was, it was an awful, you know. And and I don't blame him for not wanting to give up the ball because yes. Brunson up until that point had been an absolute superstar. Brunson just died in the last ninety seconds. His brain shut off. It was I very mean, just, bizarre. It was. It's funny because I've been very high on Brunson, very, very into how he's played. I, I've recanted some of my earlier takes, but those two minutes were almost an encapsulation of the stuff that drove me crazy. And and granted, not all of it was his fault. The Mavericks put the ball in his hand on the wing for that dead play where he then dribbled way too much, but. When if if he should, it's almost like he should have a dribble limit where if he doesn't get anywhere within four dribbles, he needs to pass the ball. Um, <laughs> and then he, you know, Luca stole the pass back after after Brunson had turned it over, only to kick it to Brunson, which I love, love, love the the confidence for Brunson to badly miss a three, which you know, <laughs> the guy was five of seven from distance. Did you know that? Yes, he was having a really good game. Outstanding. He still, I mean, he still had a good game. Oh yeah, it was a great game. Like he's he's a key reason why they won. He's arguably yeah. when you look at how they played, he was the second best Maverick, and yeah. and that it's just it's it's funny that that it kind of came down to that. And I, I, you know, but but watching Luca on that possession where he, you know, it went all the way down to the end. That was a hard possession. Yes. Um, and and I cannot believe he made the shot. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can, but it's yeah. still it's it's nuts. <laughs> I've ties played that about like as well as you as they possibly could. The, you know, the game winner was more like he was more in rhythm. They got a switch that they liked. Like that kind of went the way Luca, I think, you know, want like he played that possession the way he wanted and he got it and he and he drilled it. That second to last possession was just total bailout. Like I'm just better at basketball right now than you guys are. So yeah. we're gonna win. Like, you know, I mean in I, I hate comparing Luca to Dirk, but that's just like that Dirk quality of just give me the ball. I will give us a chance to win. And I know that's not just Dirk. That's that's the superstar. You know, that's first team all NBA. That's, you know, being a leading vote, you know, being one of the most popular players in the league. That's why he is like that's that's what those type of guys do. You give them the ball and you have a chance, even when it's maybe the worst offensive possession you've played all night. Uh, and and he did it, man. He did it two straight times. It's freaking crazy. Uh, this should have been one of the worst losses of the year, and now it's turned into he. I mean, he single handedly turned it into one of the most thrilling and, and uplifting games. Because uh, I could not imagine the dichotomy. Just think about the dichotomy of those two, lo- the two different locker rooms: the locker room of the reality where they blew that game, and the locker room that they're in right now. Uh, it's it's just monumental. Well, other than the the raw emotion and kind of the big, you know, the fact that, you know, being 500 when when we had and you really had specifically noted that being 500 is kind of should be the goal before the all-star break. 
What else should we take away from the specifics of, of this game? You know, what things did you like? What things did you hate? Before we kind of talk about the, I, I only briefly want to talk about the the seven foot three annoying elephant in the room, you know, because there, we got a long time to talk about that. It'll be, this won't go away. So what else from this yeah. game were you big into? Uh, I would say the biggest thing I was into was defensively. I know the Mavericks ended up not having a, you know, not a great defensive performance, but still not, you know, not bad. Celtics only shot 30% from three. They still finished 47% from the field overall, but up until that flurry in the final three minutes or so, you know, basically, you know, when the Mavericks built up that double digit lead in the fourth quarter, up until that point, I was very impressed with their defense uh, because, you know, the Memphis game, I felt like might've been a little bit of fool's gold because of how, how horrible that Memphis roster looks right now. Uh, The Celtics are also in a bad place, but still, you know, even in a bad place, Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum have been, have been great. Uh, and Brown was good and Tatum was not so good. Um, not so good. He still had 28 points. The NBA is stupid. <laughs> These guys are stupid good. But obviously, like, he wasn't very efficient. But my, the, def- the defense, uh, I felt was remarkably – it felt a little bit like uh, the defense that we saw to open the season, which I was wondering, is that was that just too small of a sample size? And I hate to bring this up, but, like <laughs> – what are the what's the common denominator between the Mavericks last two games defensively and you know the first nine eight nine six or nine six to eight games of the season defensively? Kristaps uh, Przingis wasn't playing any of those games, and you know he's been so bad defensively. The possessions I'm seeing the Mavericks execute on the defensive end, you know, there were plays where they are you know switching to Tatum. There was one possession in the second half. I'm going to try to pull it and gif it and maybe put it on Twitter or something where the Celtics were running some sort of pick and roll and, and Collie Stein helped. He switched out onto Tatum, stayed on Tatum and, and denied him a good look. And then the Mavericks rotated over to help him. I, I don't know who, who did it, if it was Richardson or if it was Dorian Finney-Smith, but one of the Mavericks wings then kind of ran to Tatum. Willie got back to the big, uh, the Mavericks rotated. So there were no shooters left open from whoever was going leaving their man to get back to Tatum. Uh, the ball then dropped into Tristan Thompson, who Collie Stein recovered from Tatum to, and Collie Stein contests uh, a shot in the paint, and, and Thompson misses it. And it really stood out to me. And, you know, there are more plays like that, but it's like, you know, if KP's on the floor, that doesn't happen. And, I mean, that's not me trying to be, you know, a hater or trying to, you know, dog the guy, but he just, you know, Kristaps just cannot move defensively right now. And the Mavericks were able to play, you know, for most part, five guys that maybe they aren't all of them aren't the most stout defenders, but they they can move their feet. You know, they're not they're not stuck in molasses, which has felt like KP is, you know, outside of Dwight Powell, which, you know, bless his heart. Um, he he just doesn't have it. But all the other guys, you know, James Johnson, Collie Stein, who can be a space cadet, but he's still he's still athletic and he can still move his feet when he wants to. Uh, and and he, it just it was a, it was just way different and it, it was less uh if you know it felt less of that you know they were still playing drop coverage a little bit but it was less of like we're just letting these guys walk into whatever shots they want and more okay we're reacting and we're forcing the issue or we're reacting less and we're forcing the issue and you know we're making plays confidently instead of just creaking and hoping these guys miss open shots which it kind of feels like the defense looks like when KP is on the floor. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but does that does that make sense? Because that felt like a, a positive tonight, despite well, the meltdown toward the end. It did. 
it 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 does make a lot of sense because this the you know it, it, we can kind of transition into the other stuff now, but the Mavericks needed something like this because the off the court stuff, i.e., whatever is happening with Kristaps Porzingis, wherever this is coming from, and Josh and I want to be extremely clear in that we don't know whether who it's a chicken or the egg situation with with Porzingis, whether he is putting out that he's unhappy or whether the Mavericks have been shopping him. There's a lot of ways it could go. Um, probably a little of both, to be quite honest, is, is really where it flies because Luca is the superstar. Porzingis is the, is the tertiary guy. And it, it's, they, you know, we, we kill him on this podcast fairly, frankly. I was in on it early and he's held true because he's not playing very well. And the Mavericks have shown in two straight games that they absolutely need him. Let's be clear here. But that they're winning should speak volumes about where he actually is on the pecking order of the team. In a 82-game year season, you know, they need him. But he's got to do more. And he's not. And he or really he hasn't been. And whatever is going on, if if they're curious about his health, which is fair, if he's unhappy with his role, which is objectively not fair, um, he 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 can he can quit with that right now. He is part of the Mavericks' challenges in terms of they constantly have to make him feel comfortable. And when they do that, it's not resulting in winning basketball. We have evidence at this point. It, you know, when Porzingis is off the floor without Luca, the Mavericks' offense has been, or it was just Porzingis. He has been bad. When he is with Luca, he has been good. You know, things can change over the course of, of, of a year. And I'm, I, what I really feel is that some of what's been going on is just kind of normal NBA business that's gotten out into the open. And I'm hopeful that's what it is. Because, you know, coming back with two, two games, missing two games because of back tightness when he looked just fine is kind of <laughs> peculiar. You know, he was getting up and down. He was clapping. You and I are both tall men. We both have had back problems. When your back is hurting, you don't move well. And granted, this is some, you know, armchair analysis, but it, it's it's pretty frustrating to see him there doing that. And and I I hope to a degree that what has occurred over the last two games will send a little bit of a message to him that he is wanted, he is needed, but he is not the fulcrum. Yes, and I think that you bring up a good point about how despite them getting these two wins, he is needed because if you look at how this team has performed offensively in these two games, it hasn't been necessarily all that great. Uh, the Mavericks had a good shooting night tonight, but they looked really rough against Memphis and outside, you know, basically, man, look at the Mavericks. If you look at the Mavericks box score, it was three, three guys literally hit all of the three pointers. It was Brunson, Luca and Richardson. Every other Maverick besides them missed all their three pointers. That's Hardaway 0 for 8, Johnson 0 for 3, Finney Smith 0 for 3. And, you know, like it or not, you know, when KP is on the floor, even when he is not consistent on offense, teams guard him like he is, like he has that reputation. And, you know, I don't think it's a, it's not a coincidence when you look at how the Mavericks have played in this winning stretch and KP has been on the floor. For a lot of those games, the offense has been like like the second best in the league since February third. I mean, they have been 
they have been incredible on that end of the floor. Uh, and a lot of that is because, hey, they've got a they've got a, a center that drags players out of the paint. It gets easier shots for your role players. It, you know, it, it, it matters. Like him being on the floor, even when he's not great, matters. And I think, you know, these last two games are, are evidence of, of just how much attention he draws on the offensive end and how much that can trickle down to your role players. You know, I don't think, Dor- you know, Dorian Finney-Smith said a rough two games, but I don't think he's gotten the same, you know, he's missed some open shots for sure. But I don't think he's gotten the same quality of looks that he was getting, you know, in the games like Minnesota, Golden State, Atlanta, New Orleans. Like, the, I think he, the shot quality has been different. And I think we've seen the Mavericks labor a little bit on the offensive end in these two games for, for long stretches where when you've got a seven-footer who's – Oh, sure. Hard, yeah. Like, you know, it, it matters. You know, now that's not to take – you know, on the flip side is look at how they're winning these games. You know, their defense is night and day. Like, you know, that's kind of what you talk about, you know. He, the Mavericks need him just from a talent standpoint and from an offensive standpoint in terms of how teams guard them and how they game plan against them. But you're absolutely right in the sense that, like, it's – but he has to come back and he has to play better. He has to be a better defender. He has to move better. And if it's – if it if it really is, you know, his knee and not coming all the way back, then they – then they have to figure that out and they might have to adjust how – you know, I don't know if it's just a – you know, just – take your medicine and, 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 and live with it as he just works his way and plays more minutes and gets back, you know, with a meniscus surgery, which is, you know, it's different for these guys, but it takes time. You know, I don't know the answer to that, but, but I think you summed it up well. They, they need him, but he also needs to understand, you know, what they need from him uh, specifically because, you know, they've proven these last two games and they proved at the beginning of the season you know they can they can guard when he's not on the floor, and that should you know hopefully he has that just sends some messages and signals to him uh, once he gets his mobility back in a place where it needs to be, and we'll see where they go from there. Well, you know we're gonna have a lot to to talk about in the coming days. This was a a wild day on on as a Mavericks fan between all of this this KP stuff. Uh, and then to play a game like that, I'm sure we'll be thinking about this for a while. It feels like a, a, it feels like it could be kind of a jumping off point. Uh, the Mavericks to date have played the hardest schedule in the NBA, according to opponent win percentage. Uh, the Lakers, for example, played the easiest. So assuming things break their way in the second half of the year, which, which that schedule could be forthcoming, uh, as soon as tomorrow. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the Mavericks are, are capable of. I, I still feel, you know, we're still probably over underrating the impact of COVID. I know people don't want to talk about this, but like if for all you Cowboys fans out there, like look at Ezekiel Elliott, that guy didn't never looked right. There's just a lot, there's a lot we don't know. There's a lot about how we don't know it affected people. Like, for example, I, like why was Maxie out today? Did you see? Uh, oh, he no, he turned his ankle last oh, he night. Turned his ankle. Okay, okay, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, after the game was kind of already decided, it, it was kind of it was it was really unfortunate. But there, yeah, he turned his ankle. There's just enough going on though to where I I I can see both sides of the Mavericks argument, where it's just like, all right, we gotta we gotta you know just just have a little luck go our way. And uh, then there's also the the argument of that you know this team is really just not very good, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we. You know, it's it's so funny because if, if we get to the second half of the year and they rip off like a sixty percent, you know, win percentage, I'm not going to be shocked. Uh, but no, if they also not. if they if they also just like collapse because of idiocy, I also won't be shocked. Like <laughs> this is this is what uh, this. I, but you know, the the fan journey is certainly not boring. Well, 
Do you have anything else before we get on out of here? Well, if we're if we're if we're about to wrap it up, I guess the one thing I did not like uh, outside of the buffoonery of the final, uh, to steal a term you like to use, the buffoonery of the final five minutes. Uh, Kirk, can you explain to me how, of all the Mavericks that got minutes in the fourth quarter, that Josh Richardson got the least? Uh, he played five minutes in the fourth quarter. So my my thinking has to be his third quarter was kind of sloppy. He did some very bad things. Uh, yeah, he was 0 for 3 in the third in eight minutes, uh, missed all his shots, had a turnover, no yeah, assist. A lot of lot of dribbling, a whole lot of dribbling. I, I That can be the only reason that I think Rick would put him in jail, but he, he doesn't seem to care when Dorian Finney-Smith does the, the drive left for no reason thing. I, I, I don't understand why Rick plays certain guys. It's It's... You know, it's not that Dorian's bad. It's just when you have options and one of them isn't working, why would you not try somebody else? Like James Johnson, people, James Johnson, like lost his mind when he came out at, at when it was like 104, 100 or something like that. But, you know, like he wasn't playing that well either. I, I don't know. It, basketball rotations strike me as hard. But if you're going to go get Richardson, he should play. And it's a wild take. I just I just sort of think he should play. I don't know. <laughs> well, he had a, he was having a good game, and uh, I think what's weird, to, he, I understand it from the standpoint of like when they were on that run, like obviously you don't need to you don't need to change it. Like they were on a, they were rolling with the, with that lineup, but once once the wheels started to once the wheels started to come off, and and it was not like it happened in like two possessions. I mean, the Mavericks for the last five minutes of that game just slowly and but surely just start cough, started coughing up that game uh, and Jalen Brown, it was kind of, and Jay and, and, uh, and Kemba and Tatum were all starting to get some shots off. It was like, man, why don't you put in the guy that you got to be your best, you know, one of your best defenders and who was making some shots. Like, yeah, I don't, I, you're right. And that it's hard because like, obviously you don't want to take Brunson off the floor uh, because he had been playing so well. Uh, but yeah, you know, Finney Smith, played eight minutes and missed both his shots. You would think you would think Richardson would find his way to the floor, but who knows? We're we're not the coaches. No, but I mean if let's let's be clear, if the Mavericks had lost that game, I would have excoriated Rick because he would have gone to the <laughs> po- he would have gone to the podium and he'd been like, this one's on me. And it's like, yeah, we know. Like stop doing the things. Like stop doing the obvious things. I, I said why are right, this way? The Mavs won. Should go now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Josh and I will be back uh, probably Thursday night after the the Mavericks play the uh, 76ers, which that should be a fascinating game. So to everybody out there, um, thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you in a couple of days. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? 
What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.